Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad you're with us on this Friday edition of the episode. Edwin, what's our text for today? I'm just going to read two different paragraphs, but they're going to be separated. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 19, verse 23. We'll read through 27. Then I'm going to drop down to 35 and read through the end of the chapter. It's still the English Standard Version. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. I'm going to drop down to verse 35. When the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If, therefore, Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So we have this event at the end of a two-plus-year time period where Paul has been preaching in Ephesus. The word has gone from this chief city throughout the province of Asia. And, um, and, and now a riot in the streets. Okay, And what's interesting to me is even as you read that so well, uh, what you have is two very different perspectives. I guess it's a perspective takeaways from what this gospel message has been. You have Demetrius who is starting a riot, inciting a riot, talking about how uh, Paul's been saying terrible things about the uh, goddess of their city, uh, Artemis, Sybil. Uh, and, and yet here, the town clerk wants to settle the riot by saying, well, these men are not robbing temples. These men are not sacrilegious or blasphemers against our goddess. And telling Demetrius, if you if you really have a charge, there's channels to do this. And I guess I kind of sit back and say, huh, well now, which way is this? <laughs> right? Well, I think it's a, a great demonstration of the balance of Paul's kind of preaching. I think it's a balance that I struggle to pull off. Paul is clearly teaching truth about God, about the singular nature of Yahweh God, of the fact that there is God and there is a lone God, and he is the God who has created all things and has not himself been created. And the fact that you cannot represent him, this goes back to 
the Ten Commandments under the Old Covenant. Mm -hmm. These things are still true. You have no gods before me, and you don't make graven images. No idols. Sure. Okay. So here are these idols, these graven images, and Paul is continuing to teach uh, th- this truth. So he's saying it. And and that's one of the things that is capitalized upon from Demetrius and the metalsmiths to get the riot going. But the town clerk, level-headed, able to think this through, even though he's got to know that Paul has said this thing about gods made of hands or not gods at all, yet he's able to say they're not blasphemers of our goddess. A blasphemer, of course, is not somebody who just simply disagrees with something. Yeah. You know, the idea of he's not one that's that's running our goddess through the mud. He's not one that's that's making it his everyday mission to talk as bad as he can about us and the goddess that we worship. He's he's a person that's debating and discussing the matters of truth and spiritual things, and I think we see a balance here. He is speaking the truth. He's not denying it. He's not a chameleon. He's not a hypocrite. He's not insincere. He's not just saying what's going to keep him out of hot water. But he's clearly not being this angry in your face. I'm always, you know, I've got my finger wagging in your face about how awful you and your goddess are. I mean, I, I agree. There had to have been balance. And what we are seeing in this 19th chapter is the rise of the Christian message, the victory of Christ over and against other faith systems. I mean, as we've read and and tracked along, we saw early on about the authority of Jesus Christ, the Lordship of Christ, over the ministry of John the Baptist. Okay, on Monday we were talking about that. Then you've got Christ and the authority of Christ over the seven sons of Siva. And who were those guys? Itinerant Jewish exorcists. So we've got Torah-observant Jews praying around as exorcists. Okay, but... But Christ what's, is not What's an that. exorcist? Tell me, tell me real quick. Well, apparently they were perpetrating that they had the power to cast out demons and evil spirits. Okay, go ahead. About halfway through the chapter, we saw that uh, people were coming out <laughs> burning their magic books. There's a book burning in Ephesus, uh, which I know today we don't really have any positive connotations with book burning at all. Nor should we, but this is a sign of repentance. And so you've got people coming out of the occult and dark things. And as they repent and become Christians, they want to burn that. They don't want any part of that any longer. Yeah, this was not Christians going around burning everybody else's books. No, These were it was people not. who had come out of something saying, we're not going to be involved in this anymore. We're burning our own stuff. But what we're seeing is this pattern. You've got Jews coming out of Judaism to be Christians. You've got the uh, occultists, which is part of that greater pagan, pagan picture. But they're coming out of that also, right? And they're, and they're, and they're becoming Christians. It's clearly been cutting into the business, the the tourism, religious pilgrimage business of Demetrius, because people coming into Ephesus, they're not leaving excited about Artemis. They're learning the gospel of Christ. They're not buying the idols like they were buying. And my point is this. There has to be a consistent message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says you cannot take Jesus as one of many gods. You cannot add Jesus to the faith system you're already espousing. Allegiance to Christ means you have a new king, a new faith, a new reason for the hope that is within you. Let's say now you have a hope. And so people are leaving this idolatry. I think you make a good point. It was not we're hosting book burnings to get the message of Christ out here. It was not we're going to go raid 
the temple of Artemis. So you see where the real power is. It's the Christians now, like some type of, you know, marauding army coming and taking over, uh, you know, new king in town, new gods. But people, when they saw the truth and learned the truth, they did give up those things because there is fundamentally an incompatibility with the Lord Jesus Christ and all these other religions because they're false. In Peter's the letter. The paganism is false. The occult is false. And Judaism, which is true scripture, was fulfilled in Christianity. And so you didn't hold those two things together. In Peter's letter, uh, the first one, chapter 2, verse 11, Behold, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, I'm just having a terrible time reading these two verses. I read, read half the chapter a minute ago, and I can't even get these two verses out. Maybe you need to do it in a voice. Do it in a voice. Okay. Brozier. <laughs> Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I think what's happening in Acts chapter 19 is a living example of what Peter has just said there. Even while Paul is speaking against Artemis of the Ephesians and idolatry, he is still doing it in a way that is honorable so that the town clerk, when the town clerk has to talk about, okay, wait a minute, has anything happened here that is criminal? Has anything happened here that we can bring up charges of sacrilege, of robbing temples, of blasphemy in this legal way? No, no. And so, Demetrius, you should be ashamed for castigating this man as an evildoer. He's not a criminal. He hasn't been breaking our laws. Yet at the same time, Paul has been preaching against Artemis. I want to bring that to today. Well, go ahead. Look, I, I see well, you want I, to say something. I'll, I, I'll I did. I want to jump on ahead. that because you went to Peter and I wanted to go to First Peter also. Just to point out that, you know, who's actually in the fire at the middle of this riot? I, Paul's tough, man. He wants to go in there. They don't let him. Yeah. But there's a couple other brothers, right? So it's Jason and it's Alexander. This is their moment. This is their crucible. And I just want to point that out to see that you're absolutely right. This is a real-time example about how to bear up uh, under intense scrutiny and in persecution. It put in my mind 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. They should be put to shame. And I guess what I just wanted to say was, it is not just the apostles, okay? Here are a couple of good brothers that we don't know just a whole lot about. But in their moment of trial, and when they're on the stage, in the theater, in the middle of the riot, they do pursue this course taught by Peter, exemplified by the apostles. And it does put Demetrius and these others to shame. And the town clerk is basically able to say, what's going on here is we, if you're, if you keep this up, we're going to be the ones that are going to be brought up on charges. Exactly. We are the ones that are acting evil, wicked, we're doing criminal the wrong. here. Yeah, we're, exactly. If, if you keep this up, it's not going to be these folks you're upset about. It's we're the ones that are going to be brought up on charges. What we find here, I think about today, 
I think about today and the balance. And you know, when I say balance, most of the time when people think about balanced preaching, they think we've well, got a balance between you're not obeying God enough and then, well, but we're saved by grace. They, that's, that's somehow the balance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the balance that says, I'm going to talk to you in a way about your sins that is not being a jerk. I don't have to be wagging my finger in your face. I don't have to, every time you mention something that's wrong, make sure I jump on you with both feet. I can teach the truth, but I can do it in a way that actually demonstrates that I'm, I'm telling you this because I love you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to behave with honor even as we disagree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about the advice the old preacher gave about balance. You know, The Bible says, convince, rebuke, exhort. That's two negatives for every positive. <laughs> I'm not sure the math quite works out there for that. I'm not, not sure that it does, and that's that's like a complaint. Like, I feel like you're just trying to undercut everything I just said. I didn't say he was right. I just said he said it. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. The idea here, though, is is that that when I'm when I'm talking about sin, whether it's sins I've committed, sins you're committing, whether we're disagreeing, we can do it in a way that says this is about love. Now, there are always going to be Demetriuses who get upset. And it does not matter how balanced. Jesus was balanced and he ended up on a cross. Amen. Paul, what we're seeing here was balanced. He got stoned sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to act like there's a way for us to preach that's going to keep us out of trouble. But here in this moment, we do see that Paul was able to walk that line. And when he was accosted, when he was attacked, it wasn't because he violated that. No, it's all he I exemplifies the principles that were taught and, and we read together in First Peter as well, bringing it all together. Uh, so glad that you've uh, tuned into the broadcast today. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your comments, your questions, your feedback, your five-star ratings, uh, all that good stuff you want to tell us. Send us an email, text talk at Christians Meet here. Uh, Edwin, uh, why don't you close out the program in the week? Lead us in prayer, brother. God in heaven, thank you so much for today, for the time we've spent talking about your word. May we balance your message as Paul did, speaking your truth boldly and clearly and yet in a way that if folks want to accuse us of evil doing, of accuse us of arrogance and meanness, that they end up being the ones that have to be ashamed. May we maintain that balance and forgive us, forgive me, because I know I haven't always done that. God, we do love you so very, very much. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Chapter 19 is where we still are. Acts chapter 19. I'm going to be, I'm going to do something we haven't done before. I'm gonna, What's that? Just I'm gonna leave, leave this in? I'm gonna, <laughs> I might just leave all of this in and no outtakes. Okay. Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad you're with us on this Friday edition of the episode. Uh, no wait. That's correct. Okay. This is the problem with not recording these the day you're actually airing them. It's, this is, we're, we're weeks ahead of you. It's like time travel. It will be Friday.
Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you've joined Brother Roberts and Brother Brozier. <laughs> <laughs> so you do listen when you're not actually on. I love that. I think Brozier's going <laughs> to gonna catch on. I sure hope not. <laughs> Brozier. Brozier. Brozier and the Deatrice Artemis. <laughs> Anyway, these are the kind of gems that you get with text talk, but that's enough of our playful banner. Why don't we look at the Word of God? 